Hello once again, and welcome back to another episode of the Prime Defective Podcast. This week, we watch Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1, Episode 19, Heart of Glory. Directed by Rob Bowman, written by everybody in the kitchen sink. <laughs> Maurice Hurley. Mainly Maurice Hurley. Right. right. DC Fontana. Uh, story by those three people. Hur- Hurley, Wright, Fontana. Oh, I'm sorry. And the story editors, Beimler, Manning, Hannah Shearer. Oh, and Tracy Torme had that. Had his or her hand in there. <laughs> Still a guy. <laughs> Shim. All right, I'm putting you on the wrap it up clock on this episode. I'm I'm calling it. It's 15 minutes. 15 minutes. 15 minutes. This entire episode, not including uh, Star Trek news. Well, it's considering there's not a lot of news, <laughs> we might be at 14 Oof. minutes. Huh. again welcome back like i said before this is the prime defective we're we're watching the next generation we're i got speed, I we're speed watching this one o'clock yes <laughs> star trek the next generation episode one sorry episode season one episode 19 heart of glory uh before we get into that though we are going to talk about some star trek news jared yes joe launcher joe launcher brian Ah, I didn't forget. End of the show. And tell me about some news. There really is no news uh, other than uh, Discovery has officially begun production as of last week. Mm. That's it. And they well, and they have a new logo revealed, although the new logo looks like the old logo to me. So, With the Star Trek you know, symbol in the background? I guess they changed the badge a little bit mm. on the uh, slate. Uh, have they, they? They've now confirmed, though, haven't they, that the lead character will in fact be number one? Yeah. Okay. Well, known as number one, she'll be called number one. Right, but it's not necessarily going to be the same number one from the original series from the pilot. I would assume not, since that woman was white. Oh yeah. Well, whatever. and she had a name, and I don't think this character. Although I don't know if the main character has a name yet. Or a name that has been revealed. Okay. They'll figure out a way to make her white, make her black. Yeah, I whatever. mean, it could be alternate. <laughs> well, I don't know. This is a main timeline universe, so I don't know how they're going to go around that. Maybe just everybody's called number one. I mean, apparently Captain Pike and Picard both did it. Yes, oh, absolutely. But there was a lot of speculation that this individual... Because they said that they w- there were going to be some kind of connection to the original series and not necessarily uh, Spock's father. I think they were trying to say that this might be the same number one. Oh. But you're right. Color-wise, we might have a problem. Yeah. It's worth noting that this is the first live-action Star Trek series to have been filmed in 16 years. That is when Enterprise uh, commenced production. May 14th, 2001. Man, that's uh, sad. It's a long time with no Trek on TV. Yeah, I know you and I used to talk about it all the time during the during the hiatus. But when's the time to bring back a Star Trek show? When are they going to bring one back? I honestly thought it would never happen. Never, 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 never. I'm like, no, it's too much of a money a money basket to not just put another show on. Well, in a sense, you can thank J.J. Abrams for this TV show because I think this is uh. 
CBS's way of sticking it to him because he wanted to wipe away all merchandise with the old Trek crew on it and wanted all the new crew. And then they wouldn't get any money from that licensing shit because they mm. don't have access to the movie stuff. And they're like, fuck you. And that's the whole reason why this is not in the Abrams verse uh, universe. Hmm. So thanks, JJ. Yeah. Thanks for giving us. I mean, technically, technically, they could continue to still make movies in the original universe even after the time split, right? Because <clears throat> all that stuff still happened. Yeah. It's just that, you know, the time, the, the, the alternate or timeline happened. But there are still two timelines. They still could continue making those movies in that timeline, right? Right. And that's essentially what they're doing. Just Well, no, prequel. because they're doing it before the timeline split. Right. But I think that's just because it's something we haven't seen, I guess, sort of. <laughs> right. Because they've done so well with going back in the past. Hey, I like it. showing stuff from the past. I loved Enterprise, but nobody else did. Uh, critically. They don't know what they're talking about. I agree. So, on to the present. This isn't the present. Star Trek, the next generation. Season one, episode nine. (laughs) Is this real life? Uh, Heart of Glory. Uh, This is essentially a Worf story, which is good, I guess. Mm-hmm. I know Jared likes to see more information about Worf. I there were yeah, knowing, there are parts of it that I like because it was you get some Worf information, but uh well, go on, explain the episode. Uh, the, here's the episode from as far as I can explain it. Uh there is a disturbance in the neutral zone and the Enterprise goes to see what's going on. There is a disabled ship with life forms on it. They climb aboard to see what's going on, and they find three Klingons uh, trapped. I don't know if they. I, I, I'm not sure if they're actually. I guess they are trapped in there, but I thought they kind of stowed themselves away. But they're they're uh, in some kind of uh, a room where one of them's injured. They get them off before the ship explodes. Um, we find out that there was a firefight, and they were on that ship trans being transported to someplace else. Uh, the one Klingon dies on the Enterprise. The two that are left talk to Worf. They cajole Worf about not being a real Klingon, being uh, uh, living amongst the humans, working for the humans. Making them soft. Uh, yes. And uh, then they they actually confide in him and say, actually, we weren't transporting uh, aboard that ship. We actually had taken it over in, a, in an effort to escape uh, the Klingon... Um, kingdom? What are they? The Federation? They're not the, the, the Klingon Empire. Klingons. Empire. Thank you, Jesus. I don't like this show. Um, the uh, the Empire because the Empire has gotten soft also because of the humans because of the uh, the uh, the peace that has been drawn between the Klingons. There's nobody and the to Federation. fight. Right. So they're looking for a place to go and live on their own and fight everything they want. Uh, but in an in an effort to do that, they also destroyed a Klingon ship that had been sent to retrieve them. So now they're basically uh, fugitives. Meanwhile, Worf is having questions about his own uh, self since he was raised amongst the humans and not with uh, Klingons. So when they start asking him, like, don't you feel the call to battle and don't you feel this? Don't you feel that? He's like, yes, but I repress all that stuff. They're like, no, that's what it means to be a Klingon. Uh, sooner or later, the Klingons show up to try to retrieve their fugitive brethren 
um, the uh, fugitives device devise some kind of a plan to escape, but both get killed in the process. The end. <laughs> Not sure what lesson we were supposed to learn. Uh, I really, really, I liked this episode for about, let's say, I'll, I'll be generous and say half the episode. The first half of the episode I really liked, and then I just lost interest in it once they, once the Klingons confided to Worf and said, actually, we stowed, we weren't stowing that our way on that ship. We'd stolen that ship, and we were trying to escape, and it's all about the heritage thing, and it's, we want to live and be free and fight. And I was like, ugh. Uh, I falling asleep. I think you're being generous. Okay, good. So that's why I said, like, it was about halfway through. Yeah, this 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 was a snooze fest. There was a lot of stretching going on in a lot of scenes. Just long walks. You mean, you mean stretching the story just, out? Just not even the story, just stretching the scene out to make up for time. Just long, boring shots of people walking or two guys settling on a bench in the brig that took, like, 25 seconds to watch them and i'm like man in the fancy brig in the really nice fancy brig yeah that's not the brig we know no that's that was old school brig yeah that was whole room turned into a brig because they didn't know what to do for it at that time like uh just take all the furniture out of that room yeah let them sit on a couple benches uh there was little tidbits about Worf's past that we learned for the first time that i liked um yes i agree with that i think that changes over time but i i was surprised that they had Mentioned the half brother, which uh, you know I don't know if you remember. Like I think it's season seven or six. Worf's actual half brother shows up. See, he I didn't sound. Did he mention his half brother? I thought he said brother. Well, it's his human. And when brother. he said brother, right? So it's not his half brother technically, right? Not, but he, they don't share a they don't share a parent. Well, it's his adoptive brother. Well, it's his, it's his either a step brother. Well, like, yeah, I guess it's his adoptive brother. Yeah. It's not a half brother. I'm just I'm just setting it straight. It's not like the kid had ha- he was not half Klingon, right? Okay. I just thought that was interesting because they when that came up back then I was like, oh, did they ever even mention that? Um, but I guess they did in season one. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I I struggled to stay awake in the last half of this episode. Uh, in fact, I completely fell asleep in at least the last five to seven minutes of it because I missed the uh, the climax. Oh. <laughs> I think the explosion woke me up. And what a, cl- <laughs> what a climax it was. <laughs> right. See, so uh, I would recommend not seeing this one. In fact, it's funny. I was, I'm, I'm, like I told you before, I tried to start watching through all these episodes again on Netflix about a year ago. And uh, when I went to watch this one today, I saw that it had been previously watched up into a point <laughs> and i'm like i don't remember watching this recently and then so i pull up all of the episodes and i saw that i didn't watch anything after this because after i started watching this episode i started skipping around instead uh so, so this episode I made killed, it to the ex- killed your endeavor <laughs> yes it did and and i i think it was probably around because it made it about three quarters of the way through the episode and it stopped the red line stopped, so I think I probably made it to about the same place this time. I can't believe it wasn't Code of Honor or the one about uh, where you got the mining lesson and the geology lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that it was eventually, like, maybe all of those culminated, and I was like, oh, I'm done. And I just started skipping around. I could not handle it. 
I just thought it was funny that there was no red lines on the episodes after this one, and there was this one only went about three quarters of the way through. So kudos, Heart of Glory, for snapping my will to watch the rest of these episodes. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. Now, some notes I have. I have very little notes. I have a page of notes. uh, I have about a half a page of notes. I have to say, though, out of the half page I have, the first half is all about the first ten minutes of the show with Jordy's visor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, I do have one or two lines after that, but, uh, yeah. Let's see. I have, okay, disturbance in neutral zone. Uh, Mention on the Romulus. Actually, before, before you move on. Okay. Uh, the neutral zone has always confounded me as to what it is. All right. Do you have any idea? Oh, you know what? Maybe I should look it up. You should probably look it up, but I thought it was the space between the Federation space. And Romulan. Romulus, right? Yeah, and Romulan. Yeah, the Romulan Empire. Right, but there, I remember there being a neutral zone in the original movies as well, featuring something to do with the Klingons. But I was always curious, like, the neutral zone is set up as, like, this buffer zone that neither one of them are allowed to go into? Yes. So who, so who lives in the fucking neutral zone? Does anybody live in the neutral zone? I don't know if anybody... Yeah, somebody, people have to live in it. It's probably people who don't abide by the Federation or the Romulan Empire. Well, okay. So then, I don't know, it's just so weird. If it, then isn't it their territory? Can't they say who the fuck they want to go in there and who not? Are you looking this up? Uh, I'm, look- I'm looking at specifically the question you asked. <laughs> what is the neutral is, zone? <laughs> who lives in the neutral zone? <laughs> uh, it, uh, living in the neutral zone. That has nothing to do with it. Damn, we should have named zone. this podcast the neutral zone. <laughs> Damn it. Let's go back. <laughs> let's do a J.J. T- let's, let's Abrams. Yeah. We'll go back. Um... Do cut all this crap out. Star Trek: Next Generation, Neutral Zone. Star Trek: Next Generation, the final finale of the first season. What? I think this is the name of the episode. Oh, there are multiple neutral zones. Oh. In the Star Trek universe, a neutral zone is a sort of buffer zone between territories of two different powers. There's the Klingon neutral zone, the Cardassian demilitarized zone, and the Romulan neutral zone. We are to assume, at least that this one, I guess, is the Romulan neutral zone because they were talking about the Romulans. Right. And they already are at peace with the Klingons. So there really shouldn't be a Klingon neutral zone any longer, right? So the one from the original series that they spoke about was with the Klingons. Maybe. Yeah, they should have been more specific when they talk about them then. Romulan neutral zone, Klingon neutral zone. I don't know. I'm sure at the time they were just like, neutral zone, that's a way for us to move the story along. I don't know. That's what uh, Wikipedia says, and I believe everything Wikipedia tells me. Question answered. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say who lives in the the neutral zone, though. (laughs) You get kicked out. I want to know that. (laughs) Somebody's got to live in there. They're, uh, they're hermits. Space hermits. Oh, speaking of space things. Okay. Okay. So, um, I do have a note about space things. 
When uh, when they get to the edge of the neutral zone, and they're like, whoa, that ship's in the neutral zone. They just barrel right into it? Yes. Instead of maybe, maybe why can't they tractor beam that ship out? Like, why can't they drag it out of there? I guess because they said it's, it's, it's like, been damaged and they don't want to fuck with it. Could that... Or it's too far in. <coughs> I, know, I know they did have to zoom in and enhance their cameras in order to see it, and then somehow they were right on top of right. it. Um, yes, the, the, the sly mention, the, the not-so-ham-fisted visual acuity transmitter that uh, they say, like, now is a perfect time to test out your visual acuity transmitter, Jordy. They set this up like it's supposed to be a Jordy episode in the beginning. <laughs> uh, yes, they, they did. But uh, it, I don't know. It, it, the whole episode, for me, was just like, ugh, it's, what is going on? Like, they had no reason to do this. It was like, why were they, why did they even do this? Yeah, I feel like why you could have... Why did they focus on Jordy's visor... And the videos it can take, and I was like, "Why didn't? Why is it so special? Don't they have video cameras? Like this was like space video camera." Well, I guess because Jordy's visor sees things in different wavelengths and shit like that. That you know, it would be helpful. But I just feel like you could have written an episode around this somehow instead of just forcing it into this one for no reason. It doesn't come up again at all. Right, and that's what I was getting at. Is like they don't. It doesn't play any part in this episode, like other than to see the hull damage that no one else can see, right? And which I guess puts them on a clock then. But they could have done that in a number, any number of ways, using a tricorder, n- <laughs> right? And it never meant it never gets mentioned again, like you said, never. Right. That so I don't that understand. device that they use to tie it into the ship is never brought up again, and we don't see through Jordy's visor again till an episode called "The Mind's Eye." Which might be wow. four or five, where Jordy gets brainwashed by the Romulans, and again, it looks how different you, when you see how through. Do you remember that? I looked what it up on Memory Alpha. <laughs> oh, I was like. Whew. And then the third time it's brought up is in Star Trek Generations when Doctor Soren looks through it, and then it just looks like a regular camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've improved it by then. Yeah, I always just assumed Soren had put a camera on it somewhere. <laughs> It'd probably be a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, so the spa- the visual acuity transmitter that allows the people on the Enterprise to see what Geordi sees, but it's only got a limited range, and it turns out that nobody else could really understand the shit that's being pumped out from Geordi's visor <laughs> other than Geordi. And they spend... And we waste entirely too much yeah, time on Yeah, they spend a they- lot of time on this. Like, you, like, if I didn't know, had read the description, I'd be like, this is clearly a Geordi episode. Hmm. In the first couple of minutes, yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah, you're right. They did. It, they totally focused on him with this. Um, the fact that they beam over to a ship that has been damaged and they have three life signs they're looking for, and the first thing they do once they get over there is do a little science experiment with the visual acuity transmitter. Look to your left. Hard asks Look, a million questions about your it. Your other left. No, too far. <laughs> Who's that? What is that? Right. What is that blob that everyone who's looking at the screen can tell what it is except for Picard? By the way, when he turns and looks at Data, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at this. I don't think that was. I don't think that that was. You were right. And I said the same thing. I go, there's no way that's fucking Brent Spiner. It turns out, and I don't know why they did this, that the two actors that were in that part were the photo doubles for uh, Riker and Data or whatever yeah. their real names are. <laughs> 
for I couldn't tell with Riker so much, but with Data, even though they didn't really show his face too much, I'm like, that doesn't look like Brent Spiner. Yeah, they were the photo doubles for Jonathan Franks and Brent Spiner. Richard Stardstard and Ken Gilded. Why use them in that shot? I don't know. Maybe they did a pickup. Maybe they didn't know they were maybe they didn't necessarily know what they were going to put in there and then eventually they're like let's do this and those two weren't available or they just shot all the George, the stuff from Jordy's angle at the time that those people weren't there and didn't want to pay him <laughs> to stand there right um so that was a bunch of nonsense by the way i and also then... love the part just cuz since i all my notes are about Jordy's visor <laughs> mm-hmm. is that like Jordy like someone needs to tell Jordy that other people don't have visors too by the way he reacts, like, don't you see that? It's right there. Or, he's an android. You don't see him that? What? <laughs> like, hey, dipshit, right. you're like, the only one wearing one a halo around him. He's an android. <laughs> so and when he sees, like, that there's something wrong with the hull, he's, like, right there. And, and Riker's like, where? He's like, right there. Can't you see? <laughs> like, no shit, Ed. I'm not wearing a visor. <laughs> I wouldn't be asking you if I could fucking see a dummy. Um, The... There was another part with the visor that was just, yeah, it was all, yeah. The fact that Data has a halo around him, I thought was weird. Like, there's so many weird things with that with that portion of the episode. Um, why, when they try to figure out the way to the life forms, the whole ship is kind of like damaged and shit's blowing everywhere, and there's gases and all this other crap. And Data, they get to a room that's just, like, filled with a cloud of smoke. And Data tells them, I've tried to find a safe way through. But they were, all of the way, the, all the ways are equally as dangerous. Right. Then Jordy asks, which, which is the least dangerous route? Yeah, I thought about that, too. I'm like, didn't he just say they're all equally the same? They are equally dangerous. <laughs> And that, by definition, means there is no neither one that is least or more dangerous. <laughs> Why are we asking this question? Uh, then Data goes through and finds the uh, finds them the 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 life forms, but they're trapped in a room behind a door. But Data comes back to tell oh yeah this Riker this was and Jordy that he's found them and that they're trapped, and it makes you think that Data needs their help to get them untrapped. But really, Data just wants them to come and watch him open the door. Well, what I found interesting about that, too, is that Data goes, they're like 15 meters ahead of us this way, uh, but there's high amounts of radiation and something else going on in there. He's like, I should probably go because it'll do less damage to me. And they're like, okay. Data walks through the cloud, comes back. He goes, they're this way. Come through here. (laughs) And they walk through the same shit he just walked through. Well, I thought maybe that could have been that in case Data couldn't get through it in a direct route, he'd have to be walking around in the radiation. Oh. But he had found the most direct route there, and that was okay, because like, he knew that them going through it for that unlimited amount of time wouldn't be too bad. But what I don't understand is why he couldn't just open the door on his own, because <coughs> that is exactly what he did when they all got there. Right. It was like he just wanted to show off. <laughs> um so when they they announce they're coming back, yeah. To wait, before you go, on, he wanted to let Riker look like a fool by trying to shoot it with his phaser and being like, "I don't recommend that." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. No, 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 dummy. There's tons of gases and poisonous things going on in here. If you shoot that, let me show you what I would have done even if you weren't here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they they talk to the Klingons. One's one's hurt. 
Uh, they go to carry them out. Real briefly, and... before, before we move on with the story, did you recognize the main Klingon? I did not. I, I mean, I could, I could definitely tell it was somebody I knew, but I didn't know who it was. Uh, the actor's name is Vaughn Armstrong. He has okay. played multiple characters throughout Star Trek series, although this is the only time he was ever on Next Gen. He's played mm-hmm. multiple aliens, other Klingons, and other things. But where you know him from, most notably, is he was Admiral Forrest on Enterprise. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, I definitely you could definitely tell that it was somebody I like I knew, but I couldn't tell you where he was from. Yeah, he, he had a long career with Star Trek. I mean, from doing a you know, a shot in the first season through all the other shows to wind up with a somewhat reoccurring role. On Enterprise. Uh, what I really enjoyed about the Klingons was the other Klingon, not the dead one. The smiley one? The smiley one with the smarmy mustache yeah. that had the lisp. <laughs> I didn't recognize, I didn't uh, catch the lisp. He had a lisp. He, uh, well, let's, well, hold on. So so when, he, when they announced they're coming back with Klingons, uh, uh, Picard tells Yar to meet them in the in the transporter room. And I was like, Oh my God, does, does Tasha actually get to do security stuff in this episode? Nope. <laughs> well, she does eventually, but not in this case. In this case, it was just to beam them on. Like it was not to be there with a guard to make sure that the Klingons weren't going to do anything. Um, but Tasha goes down and helps beam them aboard. Um, so when the, when the Klingons are being shown around the ship, and sit down with Worf. Oh wait, start. you're skipping the part where they're in the in the sick bay, and yeah, and uh, well, Worf starts talking to. Or I think no, I think Picard's talking to him. Both of them seem very unklingon like. They're very smiling, happy. cavalier. Yeah. It's just like we haven't pinned this down yet. <laughs> what they're going to be like? They're very cooperative. Yes. Like, oh yeah, we uh, we got bored that ship <coughs> and uh, we. We were trying to help them out, and uh, we tricked the Ferengi who were attacking us into dropping their shields. And, like, very cooperative, explaining everything away. Uh, eventually, they will be like, fuck you, we don't have to tell you anything. Right? Right. Isn't that what you mean by, like, we haven't nailed this down yet? Yeah. We're doing our own business. Go fuck yourself. Um, so when Worf's showing them on the ship, they go and sit down with Worf in their, in their quarters to eat, and they start asking Worf about his history and... Uh, they start chiding him about working with the humans because he's the only Klingon to work on a human Federation ship. To Worf's knowledge. <laughs> to Worf's knowledge. But uh, during this little exchange, the first things they start talking, telling, saying to him to get him riled up, um, I have it written down. I can't read my own. I can't even read my own my own writing. The the smiley one with the weird mustache says like. Does it make you? Does it make you happy? Does it fill your heart with peace? <laughs> and he, he says with peace. And then later on, he says something else too. That's all. That has a very big lisp in it. I did not catch and, the lisp. Uh, the way he says it, I, I started laughing when he said. It. I had to rewind it because I'm like, what the hell? Just what did he say? Because I couldn't tell that he said peace. Um, but uh, yeah, that was my little enjoyment in this episode was the lispy Klingon. Um, yeah, and then it all goes downhill from there. Uh, Worf tells him, that's when Worf tells him that he was born. No, that's later. Yeah, that's later. That he, te- that he tells him that he was, uh... After, after they're uh, eating, they go back to sickbay because their unnamed buddy dies. Right. 
uh, Klingon number three. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I think it was sometime after that that they said, "How do you? How did you come upon? How did you come to be in the Federation?" And he's like, "Well, it was because I was saved by a human. I had been buried under rubble in our on our planet in our on our." village or whatever and uh, the human saved me and then they took me home to raise me as his own <laughs> instead of you know finding the klingons he belongs to well i think at the time <clears throat> the humans and klingons were still at war so probably getting the child back might have been harder you mean 30 years prior i mean how old's Worf? i don't know mid late 20s Okay, so the Klingons were still at war 15 years earlier? Or uh, 20 years earlier? Yeah. They were? Yeah, that's what I, I assumed. I didn't think that was the case. I thought that the Klingons and humans had peace after uh, Undiscovered Country. No, not an official peace. Oh. I guess I didn't realize that. Remember, because it all, it all happens with the Enterprise C defending the out, uh, some out... Uh, some base or something like that, some outpost from the Romulans, and that's what started their alliance there. And that was only 20 years before what we're watching. No, I don't remember. No, you'll catch up in season four. <laughs> when that I hate this show. I don't, I'm not the one who likes this show. Right. Um, Did you like the I Klingon don't... death whale? <laughs> yes, that's going to be the uh, the screenshot. <laughs> For this episode, not from the sick bay, but from the end. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't really get Worf's identity crisis in this episode. Like, so when when the Klingons are asking him about how he came to be on the Enterprise and in the Federation, he tells his little story. While that's being going on, and they're like, "Oh, so you were raised amongst humans, so you don't know what it's like to be a Klingon, and you don't understand our cultures and our ways, and this and that." And the Klingon bird of prey shows up and says, hey, uh, what are you guys doing out here? Picard explains the situation and who they have on board, and they say, oh, those guys are fugitives. We're on our way to pick them up and get them ready. So Picard sends Yar and a security team to go get the Klingons. They show up. Worf is with them in the hallway, and Yar asks Worf to get out of the way because need, she needs to take them into custody. And Worf is kind of having, like, a crisis of conscience on whether or not he should do his goddamn fucking job as a Federation well, you know, this is lieutenant the first and Starfleet lieutenant and get out of right. the way. This is the first of 15 times that Worf has to choose between the Federation and the Klingons <laughs> through the course of his history. Uh, ag- yes, again, I do know that, but this one seems so minor. Well, like, uh, why would he even like? Uh, first of all, it was this? very out of character, at least for me, from the Wharf that I know. That as soon as they mentioned that they lied, that Wharf didn't take them into custody. Like he, right. like he I actually, agree. like he's like they're like we lied, and he goes, okay, let me show you the engine room. Like he takes yeah. them, he <laughs> he continues to take them on a tour, which I thought was odd. And yes, his crisis literally lasts for like a second. Then he steps out of the way. But then I was like, maybe it's more about the episode of, like, when Worf makes his plea at the end to, like, you know, let them die like Klingons type thing. Like, he was, it was more about Worf getting in touch with the side as opposed to siding with these guys. I don't know. Because it was never really – he never really says at the end. He's like, you know, I had a real dilemma with this one. He, we just don't know where Worf's mind was at. Yeah. It was, it was just so – weird for me to see him like just stand there and 
not not do his job. Well, again, um, this might be have Gene Roddenberry sticky hands all over it. In the sense that, remember, there's no supposed to be no conflict amongst the crew. So, and that seemed to me what Maurice Hurley was trying to write, that Worf was going to have a conflict and maybe perhaps go against orders. But they kind of were wishy-washy about it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I didn't think about that. Um, while Tashiar and the security team are trying to take the Klingons into custody, a child runs into the hallway. <laughs> And runs into the first Klingon, the head Klingon. And the head Klingon picks up the young girl and stares at her in the face. No malice. No indication of anything evil going on. So what does Tasha do? Tasha jumps the gun and reports to the bridge that they have, that they have a hostage situation. Well, to me, it looked like when he picked her up, like he was like, Oh, I could use this as an opportunity. You know, like he didn't say it, but that's what I inferred. But he had just picked up the child. He did not show any intent. He did not do anything other than pick up the child and stare at her. Uh, I thought it was funny that she jumped the gun immediately and was like, hostage situation here. Right. Instead of seeing what he was actually going to do, which was put the child back down. Actually, didn't he hand it to Worf? send her on her way. He handed her to Worf. Oh, whatever. He he didn't do anything with the child. I don't think he ever had any intention of doing anything. Yeah, again, I don't think that's crazy to, to not think that. They're being hostile. We know what Klingons are. There was no reason for him to pick up the child. He could have just stood there. It's not like the child like climbed on top of him and was like, pick me up. <laughs> but if Tasha Yar were any kind of Federation, uh, any kind of good Starfleet cadet at the time, she would be much like uh, Wes, knowing different aliens cultures and knowing that Klingons don't take hostages. That's true. You're right. So she's a failure. She, well, who, who knows how many times she failed her psych exam? <laughs> <laughs> they they um, kept showing her the rape gangs. <laughs> no mention of the rape gangs this episode. I'm surprised. Maybe that's why she jumped the gun about the hostage situation. Oh, maybe yeah. she was just having like flashbacks. I don't know. Um, so they take the Klingons into custody and put them in the plush brig. Ugh, the brig. And immediately they start making plans to escape. This is quite possibly so next time, my favorite part of the whole episode. Yes. So the <laughs> next time we see the Klingons in the brig, they start taking apart pieces of their uniforms uh, and making... They're Rube Goldberging some kind of gun together. They're like MacGyvering. Now, obviously, these pieces were there. It was meant to be some type of like an escape weapon of some sort. They were sort, making like I a phaser only, or something. I guess it works only if both of them are captured together since they were both needed pieces from both of their uniforms. All I know, Brian, is as I was watching mm-hmm. this, as they were putting this gun together, I was like, mm-hmm. well, they clearly blew their budget on this one on Jordy's visor <laughs> because this thing <laughs> looks so fucking flimsy. Like it was yeah. literally falling apart as the guy was holding it. To fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looked ridiculous. It was like a shoebox with two straws coming out of it. Yeah. It was so bad. Uh, and then my favorite line read from the episode comes next. When the Klingons have some device to turn off the force field, keeping them in the brig. And one of the young uh, Starfleet 
uh, ensigns or whoever, one of, the, one of the security team is outside the door, sees them trying to escape, turns to the camera, hits his badge, and reports to the bridge that force field down, uh, Klingons <laughs> are trying to escape. But his the way he says it in the line read is terrible. And then instead of, like, taking cover and trying to keep them from escaping, <coughs> he jumps directly into the room with his phaser and gets shot yep. to death. By the shoebox gun. <sighs> By the shoebox gun. I had this asshole which had just turned around and watched them for a couple of minutes. <laughs> right. They would have never got the gun at the door with his back to the door yeah. the entire time. He may have prevented this from happening. He may, Hey, what are you guys building? Um, yeah, skip it. Skip this episode. You, why don't you just skip this episode of the podcast while you're at it and, yeah. and carry on to the, the next episode of The Next Generation. This is really in the low end of what we've watched so far. Probably the worst Worf episode ever. Oh, I don't remember a lot of other Worf episodes. Yeah, I'm just saying. So. And surprisingly, in a Worf episode, not one Worf shutdown. Yeah, I, I kind of I was starting to consider the other Klingons making fun of him as such, but I'm like, no, it's not a real shutdown, so... They, uh, we did get, we did get them making fun of Worf, so that kind of stood in for me. All right, so uh, that's the end of this episode. Well, and- yeah, well, yeah, well, we did. I guess the rest of the story is is that the one Klingon dies in the escape. Oh no, I wasn't even bothering. Oh, and the other, well, the other one, <laughs> the other one runs and threatens to blow up the ship, and then Worf goes up and shoots him and says, you know, it's honorable to do what you're supposed to do. Blah blah blah, and then uh, he gets offered. Uh, a post on the other Klingon ship. Yes. And he just politely says, thank you. And then there's like a comedy moment at the end, end of episode <laughs> where they're all looking at him <laughs> like, what? And he's like, burr, 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 burr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's interesting to note that the Klingon, the head, the, the leader of the Klingons that was on Corvus. the ship that was trying to escape. I could not remember any of their names. Corvus. Uh, takes the shoebox gun, goes to main engineering, stands on at the top of the, the <coughs> lithium crystal chamber with his phaser or his shoebox gun pointed at it. Right. Which, by the way, in later he, episodes will be at the bottom. By the way, but <laughs> it's all right. Go on. I always thought it was it was two stories high. It is, but the chamber that holds the crystals is at the bottom. Of the, they eventually mm, show that where you I can gotcha. pull it out. Right, because they clean it. <laughs> I only remember because the episode where Scotty, where he opens it up and he's, he's like looking at it. Um, but I find it interesting that basically anybody can take control of the ship by standing there with a phaser pointed at them. That's sad. Yeah. That's really it's sad. Huge security breach. Maybe that's why Tasha Yar gets killed off. The, uh, the other interesting yeah. thing about that scene, and I did not pick up on this while I was watching it. I didn't notice it until I was, uh, read it on Memory Alpha. When Worf approaches him, Corvus... Or Chorus. Now they're saying Chorus here, but I thought it was Corvus. Uh, he goes, I would rather die here than let the traitors of Kling pick the meat from my bones. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard Kling before? No. Because at this point, the homeworld of the Klingons has never been mentioned. And they originally were going to call it Kling. <laughs> and they, someone had decided <laughs> that this was too fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and they officially changed it in uh, Undiscovered Country is the first time that it's mentioned as Kronos. Kronos. Yeah. I guess that's yeah, how you say that. Kling would be ridiculous. So they rewrote it and said that in the encyclopedia that Kling is the name of the first city on, on Kronos. Kling. I'm from Kling. Klingons are from Kling. <laughs> right. 
That makes perfect sense. You know, and again, that, I, I believe I've mentioned this on this episode before about the planet names and the and the species names. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, Klingon is the only one that doesn't have the fucking name of the species in it. And now you know why. Yep, but originally it was going to be Kling. I'm surprised they didn't say, like, Kling was the old word for their planet or something stupid like that instead of Kronos. You know, another interesting thing about that, that, that's something that's always bothered me about every Star Trek show, is the universal translator. You're aware of this device? Yeah. And it apparently, I guess, that everybody has these universal translators embedded in their ears. Okay. Uh, as per, I learned this in uh, Deep Space Nine episode, the ones where Rom, Quark, and Nod go back in time and become the Roswell aliens. Which, by the way, is a fucking stellar episode. <laughs> Do you remember that one? No. You don't remember? Okay, see, that's why you need to go back and watch, watch Deep Space Nine, yeah. man. Dude... <laughs> They're the aliens that get caught in Roswell. <laughs> anyway, uh, in, that, in that show, their universal translators are screwed up, and they're actually fiddling with them in their ears. So now, so from that point on, you know, everybody has these universal translators on them. Or maybe at some point it's the badges before that. I don't know. If that's the case, how are Klingons able to switch to Klingon? Between Klingon. Right. Yeah. I, you know what? I just read this somewhere else. You've, I, I don't think you've mentioned this before, right? No, this is the first time I've ever. Th- well, it's something right. that's always I bothered just me. Saw this? Oh no, I think I just saw this in a cracked article. Really? <laughs> yeah, I swear to you that it was mentioned somewhere in a cracked article recently. Well, it's something that's always bugged me. Uh, up until uh, Enterprise, it didn't bug me because apparently on Enterprise they straight up say we're speaking English. <laughs> we're speaking your Earth words. Yeah, meat bag. <laughs> Anyway, um, it's just so weird because I just read that recently somewhere, and I think it may have been in a cracked article. I'm not sure. Oh, what it was about, well, though. I finally had a forum to mention it, and I this is the first time in this in uh, since we've been watching the show that I saw something like that. Hmm. Yeah, because they're just random words they say in Klingon, uh, or have no, uh, they may have. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I got to get out of this episode. I can't keep talking about it. <laughs> All right, one last thing, and then we can go. Uh, Okay. The the battle cruiser footage of the Klingon ship that was stock yeah. footage from Star Trek the Motion Picture. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it looked it looked good. Yeah. So so I should have assumed that it was not made for this show. Again, they blew the budget on Jordy's visor. Yeah, man. It's really I really feel like they just took footage and like they just they they screwed with the uh, the vertical and the horizontal. Oh yeah. That's kind of what it looked like. Uh, all right, so next week's episode, season one, episode twenty, will be the Arsenal of Freedom. I hate as that. I, I mentioned hate earlier, this fucking episode. <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, I did not make it past Heart of Glory in previous viewings, uh, recent viewings of the Next Generation, so I don't remember this one at all. That that episode sticks in my mind because I believe when I was when I first saw Next Gen when I was twelve years old, I watched Encounter at Farpoint. And obviously was not interested because I was young and never watched the show again until that episode. I saw like a commercial for it. It was on somewhere and I watched it. So that one is burned in my fucking brain. And I hate it. Hated it then and I still hate it now. Hmm. But I haven't seen it in a while. Maybe I'll love it. Doubtful. Yeah. It's got a lower rating than Heart of Glory on IMDb. Wow. So 
take that for what it is. Now, granted, both of them are in the sevens, right? Which seems high for me. Vincent uh, okay. Scavelli's in that episode. Mm-hmm. I'm staring right at him. <laughs> oh yeah, he's in the picture. I hate his face. Yeah. Maybe that's why I hate this episode. I hate that fucker's face. He will always be the ghost. He will always be the subway ghost from the movie Ghost. Oh, see, for me, he will always be the teacher that wanted to take out uh, Lane's girlfriend in Better Off Dead. <laughs> to me. Oh yes, also him. <laughs> Uh, okay, so thank you for listening. Check out the prodigal. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check out the prodigal sons. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the Prime Defective Podcast at theprimedefectivepodcast dot com or the Prime Def on Twitter machine. I'd like to thank those of you who are uh, commenting on pr- some previous episodes. We had some people mentioning that uh, Jared needs to vape during these episodes more. More sweet. <laughs> Done. And uh, and uh, Ray, our uh, loyal listener, has been uh, continuing to comment on episodes here and there. So thank you very much uh, to Ray. And boy, I know I have this other gentleman's name here somewhere. Oh, yes, it is the Cosmic Bard. So thank you, Cosmic Bard. Thank you, Ray, for listening. Uh, thank you, all of you, for listening. I do see the numbers every week. We have decent numbers. So come on back. Let us know what you think. Uh, don't be afraid to comment or tweet at us. Check us out on iTunes. Leave a great uh, review. Counteract the one that says we're pedophiles, and we'll be all good. I'll print. I promise to vape more. Yes. I'll try to find Please some Star Trek-flavored right. juices, like a Romulan ale vape flavor. I'm vaping, yo. Vape right into the microphone. Vape life, uh, bitch. It, yes. Vape for life. Or vape life. I don't do that stuff, so I don't know the vernacular. I don't Sorry. know. I hear dipshits say that all the time, and I hate them for it. But anyway. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, Tune in again next time when we cover that other turn of an episode. (laughs) Until then, Joel on true, Jared. Joel on true, Brian. See you in the Jeffrey's tubes. I'd say shut up, Wesley, but you weren't even in this episode. (laughs) Wah, wah.